0: welcome to the how to be awesome at your job podcast the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work enjoy more career fun wins meaning and money with your host pete makaitis well hello hello and welcome to episode 31 and i hope you are going to be kicking off a, a lovely fourth of july weekend to american listeners it's we've got some holiday fun, and if you're not in the United States, well, I still hope it's a great 4th of July weekend, even if it's Not so meaningful as an actual date or holiday here. So, But today, we are chatting with Julia Atkinson, and we we brought in a a little bit of fun international flavor here. So we're going to talk about what it's like working in the United States versus in different countries. And I made this one kind of a a lighter, funner, shorter one, and we couldn't help it. We also got into the Myers-Briggs a little bit. We're both ENFJs. That is, we prefer extroversion, intuition, feeling and judging and we'll kind of talk about what all that means if you're not familiar so so here's the scoop you're going to learn one the differences between eastern and western styles of communication two a quick rundown of the four different myers-briggs preferences from enfj to istp and three what is guanxi a chinese word that has worldview implications wherever you are so a quick bit about Yulia. Yulia Atkinson is an executive coach with more than eight years of experience living and working in China before taking her business to the U.S. in Chicago. She's got 10 years of leading teams in multinationals and IT and telecommunications, giving her a firsthand corporate know-how. She has used an interactive coaching process to help clients attain awareness of deeply rooted beliefs and values and related behaviors. From that awareness, she helps them identify and implement shifts that will affect lasting change Where they want it. So if you want to check out the show notes, the transcript, things mentioned here, you can find that at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep31. Or if you want to just read the summary in two minutes or less, just sign up for the Gold Nugget email list and you'll have that. Here's Yulia. Yulia, thanks so much for appearing here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast.
1: Well, thanks a lot for inviting me, Pete.
0: Oh well, I think we're gonna have a lot of fun here. And you are a fellow ENFJ according to the the Myers Briggs preferences, and and we'll, we can dig into to some of that. But but the first background piece I would love to hear from you is what's the story? You've done some work in in Germany and China and and U.S. Uh, how and why did you end up in each of these places to to be an almost a Chicagoan now?
1: Uh, almost as good, yeah. So it's a long story to cut it short, I started working in Germany. I worked in startups and in corporate and um, eventually got offered uh, my husband's got offered a job in China and we went and said we'd only stay a year and then ended up staying nearly nine mm. so in China, I also worked in corporate for a year or so and then decided to do coaching and have started in china and a half years or so and then um moved to america again for my husband's job
0: all right well well welcome it's great to have you here uh, in, so, in this country <laughs> and so you have, have a lot of experience doing coaching can you can you orient us a little bit to to what that means if, if you're working with a team what are the kind of the most frequently occurring kinds of issues that you'd be tackling for those teams
1: Okay, so um, as, as we said earlier, um, I'm, I'm also doing um, Myers-Briggs. So one of the things quite commonly, and that really doesn't matter so much which culture I work in, is um, that people try and find their synergies and work with the differences in a positive way rather than argue about the differences mm-hmm. and the ways of working. And because I've lived in different cultures and um worked with a lot of intercultural teams culture comes also into the mix as a as a difference quite often
0: certainly and and so could you could you share a little bit what are some cultural differences that that you've seen in terms of you've done coaching work in the u.s you've done coaching work in in china what Hmm. are, are some key differences that are are quite clear to you having worked in both spots
1: So if you have mixed teams, this is when it gets most difficult, obviously. Um, One of the main things that people struggle with is the way we communicate. So Chinese, for example, are very collectivistic and really think about the the group rather than about the individual. Mm -hmm. So they also, when they communicate, have a very indirect communication style. And if we look at the West, and that's the same in, in Europe as well as America, we are very direct and um, communicate in a in a very candid way, which usually leads to conflict if you have mixed teams.
0: Oh, certainly. Could you maybe bring that to life for us? Uh, share uh, an. Example of a conflict and a misunderstanding that emerged as a result of these things clashing?
1: So one of the things that you also you have in China is that people you need to control a lot more when you work with Chinese teams. So you need to check and recheck and you need to give a lot of instructions because um, Chinese corporations or people working in China are used to hierarchy. And in the West, we quite often expect people to do stuff themselves and, you know, check in if there's a problem mm-hmm. um, and control less. And one of the examples I have was I was running a leadership workshop with a big chemical company. There was an issue with reusing some some barrels and um, someone got hurt. And uh-huh. the guy had to then really leave the, the workshop. And so even if you have... Um, procedures and protocols in, in place and say, don't do this, this is not allowed, it's not safe, you still have to constantly check what's happening on the factory
0: floor. <sighs> Well, I'm just thinking, and this is maybe my US-ness talking here, but I'm just thinking, oh man, that sounds exhausting and like a lot of effort and work to, to yeah. have to do the, the follow-up repeatedly. And so is your stance here that there no way is a superior or they're superior under particular circumstances? Or how should we think about that? navigating the, hey, you should do it my way versus, well, that's just the way, the way you operate. And so I need to accommodate to you versus you know negotiating, compromising somewhere in the middle. How do you navigate some of that?
1: I really think you can't say one way is better than the other. It just is what it is. I think it's really important though, when you work in China or with China to adapt yourself because you will Ultimately, you will fail if you don't. (laughs) So you you can't really say, well, you have to all go my way or the highway going into that market because that's just not going to work. So I think you need to learn the language. You need to understand the culture and um, just adapt yourself if you want to work with them.
0: Okay. Understood. And so so that's kind of the cultural adaptation piece. I'm curious mm. to hear, what have you seen that's universal? It's like, you know, human nature, people when they're in teams, whether it's Germany or the U.S. or China, some issues you see within those teams again and again, regardless of their location.
1: I really think that people work with people. So one of the big concepts they, they always have in all sorts of books on China is this guanxi, you know, the the bank account of uh, how how good you are in someone's books and Mm -hmm. how well-connected you are, and then calling on favors. I really do think this is exactly the same in the West. We just don't have a name for it or a different name for it.
0: Okay, could you say the word again and spell it?
1: (laughs) Uh, Spell it, then I would have to use Chinese
0: heritage,
1: (laughs) which will be difficult. But um, so in Pinyin, it would be guanxi, G-U-A-N-X-I.
0: Okay, Guanxi. Really
1: how well connected? Yeah, how well are you connected, and how can you call in favors and give favors as well?
0: So that's a sort of a measure of your power, influence, stature.
1: Right. And but I think honestly, in the West, no matter whether you work in corporate or elsewhere, it's exactly the same. We just don't name it. If mm. you know someone, you probably get somewhere faster.
0: Oh, certainly. And so, would that also include like the the school you went to, and like oh, if you a McKinsey and Company, Harvard Business School? You know, like yeah. those kinds of credentials that stack up.
1: Absolutely, and who you met in these schools and are buddies with for a long time. Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so so that's a that's a concept at work, and and people just get more done when they have you know more connections with more, mm. uh, I guess, power or an influencer mm. capability. So. When you're when you're coach, does that show up in your coaching work in terms of conflict or or difficulty in a team or just it just sort of is?
1: It does show up, but not not necessarily in conflict. It's just there. And Westerners quite often, if they are over there, realize that they are not as well connected and that it takes so much time to go to dinners and banquets and meet people and not talk business at first. So quite often we get impatient with that because it's so important to build the relationship mm-hmm.
0: first. Okay. So there's some interesting concepts at work. And so can you also share, like when, when teams aren't working so well, what are the issues that you're helping them work through and, and how do you get there?
1: Quite often is, it's um, leadership teams and they have really not even joined business goals. So already they struggle to formulate a joint goal. And usually you have different personalities at play. As you know yourself, uh, if you're an extrovert, you talk a lot. So Mm -hmm. the introverts don't get to see their bit, usually don't get asked enough, don't get listened to. If we talk Myers-Briggs, you have the other dimensions of having some people that are very detail-oriented and have a lot of data and facts. And then the other big thinkers, big picture people who clash on that level. And if you throw culture in the mix, it gets really interesting because if you take a, whatever, Finnish extrovert, it's probably like an American introvert.
0: Hmm. Oh, that's fascinating. Well, well, let's talk about Myers-Briggs for a second then. So mm-hmm. do you have any particular favorite anecdotes or illustrations that you like to use to, to make them come alive? So we'll start with extroversion versus introversion. Those who prefer extroversion, energized by the outer world and people and lots of breadth of activities Introverts more energized by the interior world, having some, some personal time, some quiet time to reflect and, and recollect. How do you illustrate that concept with some favorite stories or illustrations for the teams you work with?
1: I really like the bit when you say extrovert does talk, think, talk again, because they probably have to take something back. Mm-hmm. And an introvert think, maybe talk, and then think again. I quite like that concept because it really demonstrates quite well the big difference.
0: Indeed, and so have you seen that show up in terms of those those aha moments in your your coaching environment? Like, oh, that's what's going on there.
1: You have that really a lot in in Asia, and that's greater China. So that um, also Taiwan and and uh, Japan, the way the indirect communication goes, and this hierarchy in the companies makes introverts speak even less up. So even extroverts mm. don't really speak up because of that. So a lot of conflict doesn't even get spoken out or spoken about. And you have a lot of friction because people don't talk about things.
0: Certainly. All right. And how about on the sensing and intuition side of things with uh, to orient others, the, the sensing folks tend to be more Kind of practical detail-oriented tactical what do we need to go do now and the intuition preferring people tend to be more interested in kind of the big picture the the theories the principles that uh, underlie things and the the implications emerging from them how do you see that show up in some harmonious and not so harmonious ways in organizations
1: so what I usually do is uh, when, I, when I have a group of people and, and have an exercise about this, I, I give the example of let's imagine you have a colleague from the West come to the airport in Beijing and how do you direct them to the office? Oh, that's fine. The end people, like you just group them up front, the end people will quite clearly, clearly say, well, tell him to get a cab and maybe give him my number and the address and that's it.
0: Okay, <laughs> And
1: the S people will go in so much detail and work out the way you could take the underground, the way you could take a taxi or an Uber and where you get picked up with your Uber in Beijing airport. And you go so much into details, data and fact is really quite funny. And I think this is then the conflict that arises out of that on various levels in, in all departments and companies. Um, you see that, that some people just come with a lot of data and facts and some people just really don't like the details.
0: Oh, certainly. And how about then on the, the thinking versus feeling preference? So here to orient, the thinkers tend to be making their decisions based on logic and following the, mm. the rational, reasoned-out implications of something, kind of like uh, a lawyer or an engineer. Mm. And then the feelers are more interested in like the core values that are at work and how that affects people and, and the harmony in there, kind of like a, a social worker or... Maybe a coach uh, along those or lines, the
1: teacher, yeah, certainly. Right.
0: So, and how, how do you see that show up?
1: The feeling people get in this situation, right? And um, normally, the thinkers operate with with logic and deduct their conclusions. I always try with the teams to also make them see the synergy. So, I take a personal example of how we, back when the, my kids were very little, had to change our childminder because um, the one we had just couldn't work the hours we needed. And I got all uh, feeling and and you know emotional, mm-hmm. and the poor woman needs to feed her family, and uh, went down that road. And then I needed um, my husband, who's a thinker, to actually give me the logic and say, okay, but how much does she earn? How much would a new one earn? How many hours can she work? And really do this logic deduction, and needed to combine both to actually then come to a decision.
0: And what was the decision? Now, now we need to know.
1: It was the logic one?
0: Okay. <laughs> 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 and then how about the the final set of preferences the judging versus perceiving so quick recap there those who prefer judging tend to be more oriented toward a clear deadline they want to get closure on things kind of wrap it up you know what's the game plan the agenda the timeline all that sort of hashed out whereas those who prefer perceiving more like more things more open ended let's go with the flow let's you know see what arises let's be kind of spontaneous and improvise as necessary because new information might come to light so in the judging versus perceiving world what are some things you see show up
1: i think the best example is if a j takes a p for dinner and you know the p gets ready slowly mm-hmm. runs into a neighbor on the way probably shows up late and picks up the menu when you're there and goes and looks at the whatever Sunday brunch menu there you're there on a Friday night you're like as a J you're like what well, why are you looking at that you can't pick anything from there well I'm just looking I want to know what's out there maybe we will want to come back for brunch so I think mm-hmm. it's really as a J I look at the menu I'm like okay I know what I want it doesn't take long and I'm happy I've, I've made a decision so I think this is um in the workplace, of course, can lead to a lot of conflict because the P people sometimes create a lot of stress for J by having like last minute requests for whatever strategy presentations and the likes. And the J people can be really annoying by having all this planning and scheduling going on, which quite often you have to change anyway because life is change, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's a, that's a fun little rundown there. And could you now, I enjoyed perusing your website and reading a bit of your pieces when it comes Mm. to humility and assertiveness and and navigating that effectively. What are some of your insights Mm. along those lines?
1: So one of the really big things for me was, and and this is even bigger if you compare um, China to America rather than China to any European country, Americans looking at it from the outside I feel are very good at self-marketing and selling themselves. Hmm. And that's just something in China people don't do very much. It's getting more, but it's not really done that much. And so in China, you have quite often the the big boss who just lets the actions speak for themselves. And if the work is good, the the leader is good. And that's very different here in America. Europe, we tend to self-market a little bit. Germany, probably not that much. But in, in America, that's something that's done heavily. And so that's a very, very big difference for me.
0: Absolutely. Well, well this is fun. This is fun. So well, well, tell me before I shift gears a little bit into mm-hmm. hearing some of your favorite things with our, our Fast Faves segment. Tell me, is there anything else that, that you really want to make sure that you share? Because it's, it's super useful for folks seeking to become more awesome at their jobs.
1: So I think if you work with a different culture, just come with an open mind. Whatever the other culture is, and also take it with a grain of salt and a bit of humor, because sometimes I think we just make make it too big, and it's just not that important. The differences are not that big. Certainly, it's people working with people. Mm,
0: that's lovely. Okay, well, well, now uh, I'd love to hear a little bit. Can you share with us, maybe first, uh, a favorite quote, something that you find inspiring? I want to take
1: Bruce Lee: "Be water, my friend." I can tell you why. Let's do it. Because having been thrown into a very different culture twice now, and um, in China having to have to learn the language as well, I think you need to be adaptable, and water is. You need to be flexible. And, you know, water, if it flows in the river and across the stones long enough, it will shape the stone. So I think persistence is also in there somewhere. Oh, So I like this.
0: I love the quote. And how about a favorite study or piece of research you find yourself referring to often?
1: I want to go back to the beginning. It's um, this positive outlook, and that's also working with different cultures. If you if you have a positive outlook and view of life, I think you do much better. And I read a very, very good book, um, which is called Biology of Belief. Hmm. And that one is by Bruce Lipton. What I like about it is that he um, says a cell will thrive and grow in a positive environment, but it will wither and die in a negative environment. And I think you can take that on a big scale. It's exactly the same for people.
0: Oh, that's cool. And, and so you mentioned one book. Is there another book you would put out there as one, among your favorites?
1: I can give you like
0: 10,000
1: books. Oh. But, uh, so one of my really favorite books is The Diamond Cutter. I have to say I love that book. And another one, I, I can't quite decide, I like both a lot, is called Sleeping, Dreaming, Dying. Whoa. Where neuroscientists and psychologists speak to the Dalai Lama and his team and compare the science, the found science, newly found science with Buddhism. And it's just very, very good read.
0: Oh, that does sound fascinating. Mm-hmm. How about a favorite website or online resource?
1: I really do like LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I think if you have. Um, That's where we found each other. Right. If, you made a if, comment
0: if you, and I said, oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. I, sh- I shared something I really liked that you, a, a very good podcast you did. Oh, and I really think um, you, find, <laughs> you find very, um, if you connect it to, to the real people you meet and also keep your connections, you know, open enough to meet new people, you can find really, really good stuff on there. So I do like LinkedIn. Another one I do like for, for short ideas, I just found that. It's called the Idea Pod. I really like that because they, they make it short. So you can publish blogs, but you have to keep it short and sweet. I like that one as well.
0: Oh, great. And how about a favorite habit, a personal practice of yours that's really given you a boost to your personal effectiveness?
1: I've got to say running. All right. So one, one of the things I do is run. And that's for me, that's very mind-clearing and um, gives me a lot of new ideas or how to tackle a problem. It helps me like to solve problems. So if I have to decide on one habit, it will be running.
0: All right. And how about a sort of a, a favorite nugget that when you share during your, your programs, you really see people like nod their heads and go, ah, yes, or, or taking notes at an accelerated rate. What, what's something that you share that seems to really resonate with folks?
1: So one of the things I, I had a lot of reactions to is, is not only humility, but patience. So one right. of the things that seems to move people a lot is, is patience something that you can learn or is it something that's kind of innate? And I find this subject very interesting above all working and coaching people, working with people and coaching people.
0: Okay. And and how about the ideal way to find you? If folks want to learn more or get in touch with you, where would you point them?
1: I'd point them at my website or LinkedIn. It's www.atkinson-coaching.com.
0: All right. And how about a favorite challenge or parting words call to action for those seeking to be more awesome at their jobs
1: now i have to give you another quote from the empire strikes back oh you yes. probably know that <laughs> do or do not there is no try
0: okay well julia thanks so much for being here on the how to be awesome at your job podcast this was a lot of fun and i wish you all the best in your your coaching and and working with folks and and all that you do
1: thanks a lot peter it was great to talk to you thanks for having me
0: all right, hopefully you've got a broader worldview and perspective and adaptability flowing now. And if you want to check out a review of some of this stuff, that's at com slash ep31. And hope you have a great weekend.